Welcome to Founders Field Notes, the podcast where founders can learn from founders how to be founders. I'm Jason Klug, CEO and founder of Klugonics Group, the company that makes everything. Hit us up. This week's episode, we have a friend of mine and my wife's, Madeline Van Hoff. I've known her for quite some time now, and it's been awesome to see her in her journey, bouncing around from a variety of different things. And now founding a new and exciting company, which you'll learn about in today's podcast. Early on, she founded other things such as Mustang Media with her husband, as well as Tangible School, which I have not only gone to, but thoroughly enjoyed. And my wife was fortunate enough to teach UX at that program. And it helped many e-commerce companies learn from other e-commerce business owners. And now she has her current company, ShareHouse, which is a female-founded venture-backed company here in Utah, which is built to support the e-commerce ecosystem. So listen in and learn from Madeline, who has built a lot of very valuable experience in marketing, communications, and just hear from someone that is an incredible executor. Not only do a lot of other founders need executors on their team, but now that she is a founder and an executor, she could be pretty dangerous. <laughs> so without further ado, here's Madeline that went from working at the bottom at New York events to now running her own venture capitally backed company, ShareHouse, here in Utah. I have like a resume for you. Okay. I'm so interested to see what's on this list. It says you've been an entrepreneur for 10 plus years. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I only I only know you from Tangible. So, so Tangible was what, five years ago? Yeah. What's pre-Tangible? What was the first entrepreneurial? Oh my gosh. I don't think I'm naturally an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, but no I know how to is, do a lot right? of things. Do our people? I guess maybe I... Totally. Scott Paul, right? Yeah. No? Oh, yeah. Oh, I guess even thinking back to uh, like even in college, I dropped out of college when I made like my first dollar without a job. Yeah. And I was like, wait, why do, why do I have to work for people? <laughs> I literally was like selling. I would I would throw parties for the other fraternities, not wow. even my own, and charge, charge them, them to throw a party at this bar that I Smart. built a relationship with. And I sat in the back of the bar and ran a little side hustle out of it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, amazing. Yeah, I guess it's natural. Yeah. But anyway, okay, so 10 years ago. Yeah, so my husband and I have done several businesses together. And um, I mean, he runs his own businesses and I'm just as part of those, mm -hmm. a part of those mm -hmm. um, as he is, similar he, to you and Kelsey. You and know? he's a musician, right? He's a musician. Yeah. And um, he licenses a lot of music. Oh. So he licenses music for TV shows, commercials, uh, movies. He's had a Ford commercial, a McDonald's commercial. He's That's had a sweet. commercial for YouTube TV when YouTube TV was just launching during the Super Bowl. That's cool. Yeah. That first year that YouTube TV launched and they actually aired the Super Bowl, Super Bowl on YouTube TV, mm -hmm. um, he had a commercial during that. That's so that amazing. Cool. Yeah. I didn't so know he's that. done some cool things. He's had. Um, uh, at least six national TV placements on TV shows. So does he have a, a home studio then that he just records yeah. his stuff? Yeah, he has a home studio. He also works in lots of studios. Cool. Um, yeah. So the, is he the type two that could like jump to a guitar and then get on the drums and do the drum set yeah, and then get on the piano? Yeah, he can jump to anything like... but drums. <laughs> okay. I mean, I think he can play around, but it's just not his favorite. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but he can jump on the piano, jump on the on the guitar, kind of move back and forth between multiple instruments. He also owns a company that provides corporate entertainment mm. for really high-end events. So he'll do a lot here in Utah, like in Park City, Deer Valley, a lot mm -hmm. in like Jackson. Mm -hmm. um, he does do a little bit of traveling for that, but you'd actually be really surprised how many high-end events happen here in oh, Utah. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a, like um, a, the resorts and stuff. Yeah. At the resorts, there's several yeah. like big, beautiful ranches that mm -hmm. they'll book the entire place. And so he either will book entertainers that he knows or he'll go himself and bring his guys. Oh, that's sweet. And it's awesome. I mean, that is like the most fun. It's also pretty flexible, I'm guessing. So flexible. Yeah. I mean, he can do one event a week and work less than 10 hours a week and that's that's incredible clean up really nice he's a lot of fun doing that he's to the point where the business just comes to him so mm -hmm. that's good you know covid was a little bit of a different situation everything was on mm -hmm. hold but it's come back with a vengeance and he's had some fun but he's still able during covid to make the home recordings for videos and stuff like that, I'm guessing. Is yeah, that like he what got he his McDonald's on? commercial in 2020. So okay. yeah, yeah, that was like end of 2020, I believe. 
He just has a lot of contacts all over LA, Nashville, mm-hmm. New York. And uh, there's a big studio in Malibu called Shangri-La. The main guy who runs that studio is a friend of Travis's and uh, worked on an album of Travis's from years ago. And he called him and pulled him into that gig. He's like, yeah, McDonald's can't, we've, we've had all these, these, these vocalists come in and do this and they don't like it. And Travis was in Nashville at the time. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I can't help on this one. I'm in Nashville. And they were like, it's fine. It's fine. We'll, um, we'll book a studio for you in Nashville. So they book some big studio in Nashville, like Blackbird Studio or something. It's like a studio that, you know, all the country kings and queens sure. have been in. Travis shows up at the studio, you know, for this dumb commercial. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like a really big time studio. So he he cut it there and sent it over. And then they had some edits, but he was already home. So he just made the edits in our house. and. That's the McDonald's. Commercial. That's sweet. <laughs> it's it's funny. You don't think about that when you like watch, you know, like YouTube and commercials pop up. Actually, I got rid of the ads now. I yeah. can't do them anymore. Yeah, I but, know you should pay. But either way, you, you know, you don't think about who's making that music. Someone's yeah. at home making it. Yeah. You know, making a good living, just yeah. making music for it. That's sweet. Yeah. So he'll either like license his existing music, or mm-hmm. he'll do like the jingle type stuff where it's like very personalized for whoever mm-hmm. the client is. He's been in the music industry forever. We met in LA when, let's see, uh, over 15 years ago in Orange County and then LA. He was like doing the pop punk thing and touring cool. Warp Tour. And like, sweet. they had like a song featured on MTV when MTV still played music, you know, mm-hmm. before like the teen mom thing. Mm-hmm. Now Warp Tour is gone, but that was where he first kind of started his whole journey. So you got a taste for entrepreneurialism with him. Totally. And then like, he kind of is always like working ideas and Mm -hmm. he's a big outdoorsman. We got married in New York, but we have to live out West, right? Because the mountains and he can't be away from them. I mean, I love it too, but he has so much gear and he goes on so many outdoors, outdoorsy trips mm-hmm. that he was like, let's just like make a thing out of this. Like, why are we buying all the gear? Why don't I just like pitch an idea? I'm a good enough photographer, videographer, and I have a drone. Why don't I just pitch an idea to all these brands that I want gear from and see if they'll give us gear? To your point, like the TikTok user generated content. Mm-hmm. He's like, we'll just create content for them that shows their products in application. And then keep it. And then keep all the, all the gear. So he started this kind of like side hustle just for fun. It ramped really fast. So he's a videographer um, as well? No, I mean like, no, but yeah, you know, like he has a nice camera. Yeah, he he figured it out. He he, he can figure it out. Yeah, he's just one of those. So so he's a creative. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Such a creative. It's Mm -hmm. an outlet for him. And he's a writer and, Mm -hmm. you know. Then we launched that. It, it just kind of like fell into our laps. We, we launched Wild Mustang Media, which is marketing agency that creates content for outdoor brands. Mm-hmm. And it's just shows their products and application. And that was, I mean, it was more for fun. But yeah, like at one point we planned this massive trip to the most densely populated bear country in Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to take all our friends, but it required a lot of very specific gear. And so Travis just got it all sponsored and pulled his sister in, who's just like an Amazonian model and other friends and family members were like, okay, we have like a good enough looking group here, you Mm -hmm. know, like this could, this could be something, pitched the idea, got a ton of free gear and then, um, got a bunch of just pay on top of it. Yeah. So it paid for the whole trip. We like bus everyone out there in sprinters. Everyone stays in hotels the night before it pays for all the canoes. We're like canoeing across lakes and pulling them up rivers. We're going like miles and miles back. It's like 30 miles round trip camping back there. And we have all this like perfect year and all we have to do is take a couple photos of it and send it their way. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that was, um, another one that just kind of fell in our laps and has been fun and it's paid for some fun, like big group trips and wow. Just kind of stupid stuff. Yeah, but that's cool. Yeah, it's fun. It's you fun. You just got to like, always, always sell whatever you're doing. Yeah, he's always sending me stuff. Like, <sighs> he's been sending me lately trucks. Like, should we buy this truck and, like, turn it into something? I'm like, no, we shouldn't. Why? What do you want to do with this truck? But that's just, like, how his brain like a, works. Like a turn into a camper or something? No, he, like, wants to turn it into, like, a mobile coffee shop that he, like, goes oh. and parks up in, like... So, like, food truck style I don't even know. Thing. I'm like, what are we, like, where are we going with this now? And then, like, the next week it's something else. And yeah, sometimes we chase them and sometimes we don't. Just depends. Yeah. No, I, I mean, that's... I've met a lot of people like that. I mean, I was that for the longest time. I still kind of am that, but... 
you know, like before I started Durai, it was, I always had an idea every week until one hit and then Durai was the one that I was like, okay, I have, this is it. And then I had yeah. Kelsey and, and I had the other side of things that I yeah. needed. The door up. opened. Yeah. So, right. but I meet people like that all the time. And then all of a sudden one does hit for them. Then they jump after it and make it happen. And it's because they've had so much pent up entrepreneurialism, <laughs> you know, they dive into it and they're like, all yeah. right, this isn't working. And then they, they make it happen. Yeah. So yeah, I always keep, stay, try to stay in touch with people like that. Because, yeah. you know, the time something does hit, it will, you know. Yeah, he's such a fun... Travis is so much fun. Like, I'm the boring one. He's, like, the ultra fun, and we balance each other out, mm -hmm. you know? like That's like Kelsey and I. Such a good mix. Yeah, for sure. You, I don't think you've met Travis. Have you? Briefly. Yeah. You guys came by at one point. Yeah, yeah we got to get together. He's, like, uh, you got to, like... It takes, like, a couple times, like, mm -hmm. really, you know? He's not quiet. He's just, like, chill. So you get a little, you get a little a taste of entrepreneurialism from him he helps working me, with him. And then, for sure. you know, and then when was your first thing that you did? Was it by myself without yeah, him? Yeah. Tangible. Was, okay. Well, so I mean, I was always kind of side hustling with like way back in the day I was doing corporate events. So mm -hmm. I worked in corporate events for five years mm -hmm. and, um, I was always kind of side hustling during that time even, and thinking of like ways that we could productize what we offered because I worked for initially, I worked for a company that had multiple restaurants, multiple, um, event centers and multiple catering companies all under the same umbrella. And so we kind of do it all. And I was there to manage everything. So on average, we, we would have 11 events a day. Oh, wow. And so That's that was like in all the spaces or at other locations where we were just doing food. So at that time I got my own floral license and I was like, cool. Like everybody's asking for flowers. Like I'm sick of pointing them in this direction. They just want something dumb and simple. I'm mm -hmm. not a florist, but I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to kind of start this little side hustle and do the flowers for the events and make extra money on the side of my like normal gig. And then it grew to the point where we actually had to bring it in house. And that's something that we offered. Oh, wow. I think a little bit in that way, but I'm less risk averse or I'm more risk averse. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm less risky. Are you still less like, or risk averse? Do you think? Uh, do you think that's changed now that you've started to take bigger and bigger risks? Do you think it I don't know. You get more and more numb to it. I think I don't know. I don't know if it's you get more and more numb to it, but I think um, I think it also depends on kind of where you're at in your personal life. Yeah. If you have a, a nest egg that you're sitting on, I think that that helps and yep. it relieves that anxiety that you feel, that mm -hmm. financial pressure. Mm -hmm. You don't. You never want to have too much financial pressure on the business because if you do. Uh, you're making bad decisions mm -hmm. and you're not being creative. Yeah, that's um, a good I, point. I feel like I lived that. Early on, I had like nothing when I started Klugonics. I think I had like 18 grand to my name. Right. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah, it was scary. It's really scary. And so if you don't know, like, I don't know. It's so interesting. I was interviewed by a journalist for a publication uh, this week, last week. It was so fun because he was like, start at the beginning. Just like, tell me. I'm like, what, what do you mean the beginning? He's like, where were you born? I'm like, oh, the beginning. Mm -hmm. Like the very, very beginning. Yeah. But it was really fun because I hadn't walked through like kind of the the highlights of my life. I don't know, ever. Mm -hmm. Or at least in a very long time. And, and especially not like out loud. My parents went through a really messy divorce when I was in high school when mm -hmm. I was 15. Um, and we went from having a very comfortable life to my siblings and I and my mom, we we didn't have a house. Mm -hmm. We didn't have cars. We didn't have phones. My mom couldn't even afford food. So we're like living in people's random houses for like temporary periods of time mm -hmm. until we were able to get to a more stable situation. And, and was this in California? No, this was here. Oh, yeah. it was in Utah. Yeah, I'm from here okay. originally, yeah. Yeah. And it's so interesting to experience that feeling of like, well, there's nowhere else to go but up. Mm -hmm. You know, like if, if when you've lost everything and there's really nothing else to lose, yeah. that's a freedom that I almost wish everyone could have or feel without living that. Um, because it get, it builds confidence in you that no matter what happens, you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, things were hard for a few years. And uh, then I moved to California at 18, almost 19. And, by yourself? Mm -hmm, by yes. myself. Okay. My sister was living in, in California as well. She's four years older than me. Mm -hmm. She was living out there, but I didn't move in with her. Um, she was kind of just hustling, doing the same thing. She at least had a college degree and was like working 
like trying to build a life. But yeah, I rented a garage in a house in Huntington Beach initially. Yeah, it was like $1,000 a month. And it was a true garage. It was not a converted garage, but California's cool. warm enough all year round. Yeah. You just, you just do it. And um, yeah, it was so much money for me at such a young age that like I couldn't even afford to eat, but it worked out, you know, like you yeah. just, you just like hustle and get dates with guys and they yeah. buy you dinner and it works out. That's great. Anyway, but yeah, that, um, that driver, like that fear of failure or like fear of not, of things not working out. I think I'm naturally more anxious, but I think that some of those life experiences kind of set me up with some confidence that no matter what it would work out. So I did the California thing and later I moved to, to New York and it was very, I mean, I did not have plans. I had no job. I had very little money in my account. I knew I could live for maybe six weeks, but I knew I wanted to do it. And I was like, well, like at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, I'll just move home. Like big deal. I'll just like move back here and like move in with friends and find a job and it'll work out, you know? So honestly though, like the doors have opened and the path has been laid somehow. And, and I'm just kind of walking through the doors as they open and people call me and pull me into things like Scott Paul and pulling me into tangible with Travis Chambers. And Mm -hmm. actually Travis called me. Yeah. But, but people call me, I, I kind of attract entrepreneurs mm-hmm. because I'm the executor and they're the That's visionary. Cool. Yeah, they're that like, makes sense. This big idea, run with it. Yeah. That's interesting. I kind of had similar stuff where, I mean, I was, I was sleeping on like a foam pad, but thankfully my rent was only like 400 a month. Here? When I started. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, Cause that was I moved good. here with nothing I, or I had like maybe, I think like a, like a three week runway Yeah. and I got a job at a ski resort. Love it. And I worked and snowboarded all season. And then I got a job with Scott. Oh, nice. You know, so, but so he exposed. With Armor Active? Yeah. And that was great because it's like I, I dropped out of college, you know, and so it was hard. I couldn't get an engineering job, you know, with. Yeah. I had like 18 hours left and I just couldn't do I just didn't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And it was great because I found the job for Scott in a sales position on KSL. Oh, nice. And I swooped in and got it. And I like yeah. showed up to the interview and there's like nine other dudes, like old, old guys. And yeah. I'm like this young kid and like, yeah, I'll, I'll sell the shit out of this. Let's yeah. go. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, that was great. Cause then I convinced Scott in the interview, the second interview that I'll do sales for a little bit, but I want to be your, you don't have an engineer to make these things. So let me do that. And he's, and he's like, yo, let's buy a computer. And everybody's like, hold on, Scott, slow down. <laughs> But thankfully that that's what ended up happening. It worked out. But that was, uh, that's so good. But yeah, it's, it's like, but at the end of the day, I still think, you know, even though like opportunities and stuff popped up for you, I also think that you're making the decision to get after them. Right. Yeah. And I, so, so you were put into a position where you had to get after stuff. It wasn't yeah. there sitting there waiting for you. So yeah. that's, that's ends up being super valuable for you. Yeah, no, I think you're right on with that. There's, it's a little bit of like opportunity that kind of came, but also I'm out there looking for it. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of work to keep the right mindset. I don't know where it came from, but like naturally I've just kind of always had like mantras in my head that keep me going and they define different times in my life. Like when I lived in California specifically, it was a really hard time. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was so young. I, I didn't know what I was doing. I wasn't making a lot of money. I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't have any friends. Um, yeah. So I, I I remember that time it was hard work pays off, hard work pays off, hard work pays off. It's stupid, Mm -hmm. but like, that's what comes to my mind when the moments get tough, Mm -hmm. you know, or, um, when I need kind of like a boost of motivation, trying to think a couple of years ago, I like doubled down. Travis and I both doubled down. We were like, man, like, I think it was like tangible and maybe like shortly after tangible. Tangible was kind of crazy because it was startup. So mm-hmm. I wasn't taking like barely any uh, salary mm-hmm. to pay myself. Um, I had a newborn. I then like was pregnant with another baby. Travis's business was affected a great deal by COVID. Mm-hmm. And so we were like in a tough position. Mm-hmm. And um, that pressure, that financial pressure on the business, I think is painful. Mm-hmm. It's It's pressure from me to make this thing work. Right. Mm. And, and to like bring in dollars by any means possible, not necessarily making strategic decisions for the future. It was an interesting time. And I think that after that, we doubled down, like we needed to like kind of find our center and, and get back on the horse a little bit and find a good, healthy mindset. And we committed at that point to 
to do things every day specifically that would remind us of like what we were doing and what we wanted in life and mm-hmm. what we were chasing like near and far. We would talk often about like winners win because, and they keep winning because they have that mindset. They're looking for the ways that they're winning today. They're not focusing on the the ways that they weren't. Mm-hmm. And losers lose and they keep losing because of the same reason. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily, you know, they're they're not actually having less opportunity they're just focusing on the wrong things. And every day it's like, well, my day was crap because like my coffee spilled on me and I got a ticket on the way home from work and then I, whatever it is. But really there probably were some good things that happened. They just aren't focusing on that. Yeah. And so then, you know, during that kind of rebuilding phase after tangible, it was winners win. Mm-hmm. And we would like say it in our heads. We'd say it out loud. And every day we'd, even on the worst day when the basement would flood and we'd fix it and then it'd flood again. It's like, winners win. Like this is nothing. This is nothing Winners to us. win. And then last year it was, no, last year it was the rising tide lifts all boats. We had some really exciting things happen in that winner's win year. Mm-hmm. Big, big things happened for us. Life-changing, transformative, financially, every way. Mm-hmm. And um, so the next year it was the rising tide lifts all boats. And cool. as our, as we felt that rising tide, we were able to see the way that it lifted the boats around us and the boats of the of our family members and friends and and looking for opportunities. It's like kaidetsu. Totally. You know the Japanese yeah. business model? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly. cool. Exactly. I like that annual mantras. We don't like it just happens. That's sweet though. You've that's... seen you've seen my Christmas card. We always have like I a like thing. That. You know, like, yeah, it's like, great. I write this Christmas card at the end of the year and it's like, there's always a theme. I always know it because it just evolves mm-hmm. and comes out of nowhere. This year, so far, it's been, keep your head above the clouds. That's great. And it's just naturally, yeah. it, it's it just evolved. That's cool. So anyway, who knows if that one will stick all year, but like, it just, that's where we're at. Like one of us just starts saying something and it's like, just, let's just keep our head above the clouds. Let's like, forget about this. Cool. You know, we don't need this crap. Yeah. Just stay in the right mindset. You did have like a day job for a short amount of time, didn't you? Yeah, I got a call. Oh my I gosh, it was Kelsey so crazy. Kelsey told me, I was like, she did? I know. Really? <laughs> Wasn't it like an know, insurance right? or something? Is that Near the, the end of tangible. Yeah. We were like two weeks to flatten the curve, two weeks to flatten the curve. When's the curve going to get flat? You know, we're like, okay, I'm done. I'm done waiting for this. We like, we closed our funding round with tangible March 1st of 2020. Two weeks later, everything shut down. Right. We refunded yeah. a thousand students who were, who were scheduled and paid to go oh. through that year. Terrible. It was horrible. But that's great. You got that much momentum though. That's pretty impressive. In nine months. So we raised and closed nine months in. Wow. We raised nine months. We closed about a year in. That's sweet. But then two weeks later, COVID. We kept the the team employed until September. So from March to September, we were just kind of like dicking around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like That's when I swooped in and got Josh. I know. Thank you. He's the best. He's the best. Best employee I've ever had. I take good care of him. I know. I hope so. He's the best. Do you know how often Alyssa and I just sit there and go, I just love Josh. No, he's He's just got his big smile on. I've had really bad days and I walk in and I see Josh there with a smile on his face. I know. And it just changes my mood. I'm telling you, like that guy, he can do anything. He's amazing. He can do anything. And there's like no task too big or too small for him. He can Mm -hmm. do anything. Yeah. He's such a good guy. The day I told I told my board, like, hey guys, we need a hit pause. Let's let's just like cut our losses. Yeah. Hit pause on tangible for a minute. See mm-hmm. what happens in the future. But let's let's um let our team go and help them find soft landing spots. That's great. And so we we all just kind of pulled our networks. And I think I either reached out to you or Kelsey or maybe well, Scott did. We were literally looking for a PM because Alyssa was going on That's her first right. leave. So oh, it was perfect timing. Gosh. Yes, I, that's I, right. Uh, perfect timing. Could not have been more perfect. And then same with Cora, because uh, Alyssa went on an, another leave. Yeah. And then we found Cora, <laughs> and she's also been amazing. And then her and Josh had this like dynamic duo thing oh going when gosh, Alyssa was I out. It was, uh, it was, yeah. I want to say something timing. on that, actually. I want to say something on that in a minute. So we kind of helped our team find a soft landing. And the day that I let the team go officially, I got a call from a friend. Uh, in private equity, working for a private equity firm in San Francisco. And um, he said, we just bought this company in LA. We're moving the headquarters to Salt Lake Mm. and we need to hire a management team to help stand this thing up. Mm -hmm. And he's like, we've interviewed several people for the head of marketing and communications. Um, That was my my background educationally. And that's what I had worked in even pre-tangible. I've worked with thousands of companies, Mm -hmm. you know, in the last 15 years, helping them mainly with customer acquisition, getting their name out there, building their brand. He's like, are you interested? And I'm like, well, what is it? He's like, it's in the insurance space. I'm like, 
okay. And he's like, I promise it's more sexy than you think. Mm -hmm. So he's like, just come and have an interview. I had had uh, our second baby four or five weeks previous to this. I was thinking I'd just kind of take a break for a while after tangible and like kind of breathe and just think about my life. And, you know, it was a painful experience. Very amazing. Very transformative through fire. Yeah. A lot of like dense work in short period of time and growth and hustle. And then like a a wall. And then a wall. Yeah. Pretty intense wall. But also like our team went, everybody on our founding team went through such a, I mean, Tangible was built in the valley of the fire of death or whatever they say. Like we had one of our co-founders lose a child during that time. We had uh, several co-founders experience extreme pain in their marriages and in their and in their personal uh, relationships. Travis and I went through a very difficult time. Travis has had some addictions in in our marriage and in his life, and that came to came to light again um, during kind of the worst point. It was crazy. I mean, like if that's like an entire story in and of itself, that was just a wild, wild time. So. I was thinking I just take a break, but I get this call and he's like, just come interview. And so I did. And needless it. to say, it was pretty interesting. So essentially, uh, I worked for PCF it's in the insurance space. What they do is they buy independent insurance agencies and they pull them in under the umbrella. They're a consolidator. Um, they kind of act as their own private equity firm of sorts. Okay. And um, they have their, their own M&A team. My buddy from HGGC actually came on and was head of M&A. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of acted as like the CEO, to be honest, of the entire company, but he, he was over all the M&A activity because that was how we grew. So in a little more than 12 months, we grew from 72 million to 2.3 billion. Wow. And um, that's exciting. It was insane. So com- total national company. Mm-hmm. Uh, agencies all over. They don't rebrand. When we buy them, they don't rebrand. They keep their branding. Okay. The owner actually stays involved for mm-hmm. a certain amount of time during an earnout, you know, say three years. It was wild. So my team was extremely small, but just really scrappy. And so we were charged with being over the PCF brand and then and doing all the marketing communications for the brand or corporate. And then we were tasked with deal flow to the M&A team. They were buying, I mean, some weeks it was three to five companies a week. That's incredible. Crazy. And yeah. then um, that team was just a beast. They they were very, very small. And they the work they did was just amazing. This would have been through like this late was, 2020 for you and through was, 2021? This was end of 2020. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So I started there like September 30th of 2020 and then went all the way through 2021. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of, I mean, a lot of people in that time frame had challenges. And I feel like, especially founders and and business owners, they're like, like it's, I I just want to sell this. I'm done. You know what I mean? So I I wouldn't be surprised if, like that that's makes sense to timing wise to why that works so well because people I'm sure especially in the insurance space are just like I'm over this yeah like this is not what I want to be doing well, anymore and, and it's there like if they don't have a child or something that they want to pass the company down to mm-hmm. then it's a great opportunity for for some of these people that are hitting like 50 60 mm-hmm. to sell their agency I mean the financial space was was booming mm-hmm. and so we I, I remember like in our peak we were paying like 16x mm-hmm. EBITDA. Wow, it's an insane multiples. That's incredible. in the insurance space, and also insurance is really like recession proof, and mm-hmm. uh, everyone needs insurance no matter what, yeah. right? So it's it's a good space to be in. So um, so yeah, like not only were we doing the marketing for the company, but then we became an in-house agency for all of our an in-house marketing agency Mm -hmm. for all of our independent insurance agencies that we would buy. So think 200 agencies and we're now their marketing team because you know that they don't have their own marketing team. Yeah. Helping them figure out how to get more customers and grow themselves. Build their brands. Some of them have like these really outdated, uh, websites. I mean, some of them were very foundational. We had to like lift them into this Mm-hmm. time frame to this word of mouth, age. old school right they're like pounding the pavement knocking doors the whole thing so anyway it's really fun there's not a lot of like exciting marketing stuff happening in, in the insurance space so we found really easy ways to win and so yeah people loved us like yeah. we were like the most popular kids in that place because we're like wowing them with like some super low hanging fruit marketing yeah, crap, like you know. We bought four agencies last week, and they're like, "Oh, I'm listening." Right, exactly. So it was it was um, it was really fun, and uh, we 
we didn't anticipate going through a transaction uh, for maybe two to three years. We ended up going through one about 12 months in. At that point, you know, for those of us that had equity in that business, we vest fully. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I was able to walk away wow. and um, essentially cash out. But right before I did, um, I got a call from the team that actually invested in Tangible back in the day. They were like, what are you up to? You know, we've been talking about you and we should talk. And I was thinking I'd take a break. I was pregnant with another baby. <laughs> this keeps happening <laughs> There's to a you. theme here. I know we're done. I can't say that enough. Sure enough, they were like, let's start another thing. Were they like PE family office? It's like a family office. Um, Yeah, they're they're just a rad group of of people that are mainly in the e-commerce space, actually. They have e-commerce companies as well as technology resources, or sorry, technology and services that service e-commerce. So Mm -hmm. um, very aligned. And they were like, well, let's let's swing something up again. And I really love that that whole team very well aligned from a, you know, we were talking culture earlier, culture standpoint, it's like such a good fit. And for me, it's so much more about the people that I get to work with and for and the mentorship and and opportunity that comes from that than what I'm selling or what I'm doing. I mean, I I don't know that I ever would have like gone in insurance if there weren't exciting opportunities associated with that with people that, you know, are doing great things. I jumped on board like so fast. Wait, how, how long was that gap? Like a few weeks or what? Oh, it was, Less than two weeks. It was like, that's crazy. It was like maybe a week. Did but you at least get a vacation in? No way. I was pregnant. I was in the end of whatever. And oh, yeah, wow. no, it's just like we go so hard. And um, what was so exciting is that, like, that previous year while I was working in for PCF in private equity, I Travis's business just took back off because COVID had kind of subsided and mm-hmm. people were starting to do events again. And yeah. he was able to get back out there. And it's just been like, E-commerce brands were growing and content was more in demand. Everything. It's just everything. So Mm -hmm. it's, and that was the year we really doubled down and just like, we need to get our heads right. You know, that was, what was the the mantra that year? Winners win. Winners win. Winners win. Winners win. And they keep on winning because they're winning. And that's what they're focusing on. Yeah, you got to keep the momentum. You have to keep the momentum. Because I've lost momentum and had down spells where I'm like, ugh, like last year I had one, you know. Where you feel blah. Yeah. And, and yes. you know, and you see it like you see it in your books and it's crazy where you're like looking at your P&Ls and it's like, well, this is my mindset through that six month period. Crazy, right? You know, that's nuts. And, it, and then, yeah, it's hard to get yourself out of it. Yeah. And sometimes it's like getting yourself out of it. It's like for me, it was it was a buying a partner out. So it was like I, I couldn't get out of it until the pen pen hit the paper and you know it was behind me it's big stuff but it was good well and it's you know it has to happen but there's a lot of work leading up to something like that and there's pain yeah it's negotiating and back and forth it's a little bit of a divorce oh yeah you know yeah it's hard so even if the relationship is still good it's just it's still like separating assets and kind of shift it's Mm -hmm. so hard it's Mm -hmm. so hard we've kind of experienced that just a little bit with tangible or i'm sorry with sharehouse Mm mm-hmm so is that what? So that's what you spun up then in that time frame is ShareHouse. Yeah. So, so we, you've been uh, building for uh, building for a good bit, right? We were building from November until May. We launched in May. Okay. But I also had a baby in there, so yeah, there was like you know three or four months that I was kind of out. So a little bit slow building, still kind of. Or, yeah, I yeah. mean, I, I I'm trying to think. I did a little bit. Third baby kind of gets you. <laughs> yeah. You, you yeah, you're Kelsey totally I, outnumbered. Like having one, we're like you know, okay, I think we could do two. And then we're thinking about people that have more than two. And we're like, holy cow. I think we could, I think three is more doable when they're not one every year for three years. You know, we did three babies in three yeah, years. That's it's insane. crazy. That's it's crazy. That's impressive. It also depends on the, ba- the their personality, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of baby. Our first one was rough. Second one was an angel. Third one, somewhere in the middle. Yeah. Alyssa had, they're both different. Her first was more chaotic. And now yes. Sydney's like very easy apparently. Oh. Everyone easier, needs that you know? easy, sweet baby. Mm-hmm. Can't decide if you should have it on your first or your second. Yeah. You know, if you have, if you, if your second baby's chaotic, you're not having any more. Yeah. You know, that makes sense. So maybe your next one will be. That's what I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Sorry. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, I know. I, I don't want to jinx it. I, you know, you guys have so much time. Oh my yeah. gosh. Don't We're worry gonna about it. We're going to wait a few years, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah let them. Let him get to it. Well, well hopefully we he can have... bring me diapers and stuff. You know, Wells can. I know. That'd be great. I know. Well, and I mean, we didn't really plan it three three babies in three years. I mean, we just didn't have any kids for the first five years of, of being married. And mm-hmm. and then 
I don't know. I was just like, well, whatever. I don't really want any kids anyway, you Mm -hmm. know, because I didn't know what I was missing. Of Mm -hmm. course. Yeah. You're not really like sad about it when you have no idea what you're missing. And it looks like a lot of work. So you're like, eh, I'm fine. And then friends having them and you're like, you're like, oh, that looks horrible. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. For me, I was just like, that looks like a lot of work. And I feel like I'm still trying to figure myself out Mm -hmm. my life out. And then just happened. And we were like, oh, well, you know, awesome. We got one. And then we just got boom, boom, two more. Mm -hmm. We're just back to back. Those second two are tight. Yeah. Our girls. So. Wow. The thing that I always blew my mind about tangible is that you're working with two very ADHD disconnected dudes, <laughs> you know, and I, I so Travis and I have made me. up, you know, we've become buddies and Good. I went on a trip with him and Did stuff. Did you? Yeah. I went to his, one of his little, I'm proud of you. Well, he, he, I, I owe it to him. Cause you know, obviously we had our you know, our little issue with that project. It was just like, you know, but I know now him and I have talked and it was like at the time he was going through like the buyout and the stress and stuff, Yeah, you know, and yeah. at the time I didn't know that. Yeah. Right. Um, and after he sold the company that Christmas, he contacted me to apologize. Oh, and, wow. I, and I was like, man, that means a lot. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I'm not even worried about it anymore. You know? And then we, we <sighs> built a relationship, but then the other thing too, it was big of them. You know, because now that I know Travis and who he is, because I also didn't know his personality yet and like who, his his ways of doing things. Yeah. And then I went on this trip with him and got to know him even more. And him and I spent some one on one time like talking about it. He's definitely like working on himself and like That's talking right about now. it and like, you know, be more open about like this is where I was and understanding where he was and yeah. stuff. And it was I thought that was great. But no, I love that you brought that up because um a lot of people ask me about that. Like, how is that working with the two most ADD people I've ever met in my life? Yeah. Like, people say that to me. And chaos. everybody lo- says it with endearingly because everybody loves those guys, mm-hmm. or most people do. But yet, Travis is unapologetic. And so, there have been maybe some some quarrels or some people that maybe have felt rolled over or uh, steamrolled over, whatever the right term is, in the past in, in some setting or situation. But... um it's too bad. And, and I hope that they can give him another chance because Travis is one of the best dudes ever. Yeah, I mean, he, he has a big heart. Yeah. It, it, that's what came out is once I saw that part of him and yeah. he, you know, apologized and yeah, it, you could, I could tell that, you know, yeah, I've been in scenarios like that. I get it. Yeah. So. I mean, we can't do right by every customer and every client. I mean, it's, yeah. it, we all have mistakes. We all have things that fall through the cracks. We all have, you know, projects that just don't land. Mm-hmm. It's life. Even mm-hmm. like those that are just the most incredible executors. It, yeah. They're just it things happens. out of our control yeah. for sure. And Travis, you know, he has his views and not everybody agrees with those things, but he is unapologetically himself. And mm-hmm. I, I honestly feel like looking at his life and knowing a lot of kind of like the, the, the background Tough, and yeah. history and the, and the hustle that's there. It's like, I almost attribute a lot of his success to just this fact that he has this superpower that's mm-hmm. just, I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. I don't give a damn. I'm just going to do my best. I'm going to throw it at the wall and people are going to make fun of it. And I don't care. Yeah. It's like, if I had half of that, I, I, I wonder where I'd be, mm-hmm. you know, like I have almost the opposite problem where it's like, I care too much about what people think. I've had to overcome that to an extent, mm-hmm. still working on it. He has so much confidence. I have the opposite problem. I have no confidence, not no, but that's, I feel like my natural state is very low confidence. I've had to work on that. I mean, from the outside looking in very low anxiety, he can handle a lot of pressure. I have very high anxiety. And so that's something I have to work on every single day. I have to keep those things in check. If I had half of those superpowers he has, it's like, man, I wonder where I'd be as an executor. But yeah. it was so much fun to to be in the shadow of those guys and and Scott with his ideas. And Scott's also that same way, Yeah, you know, unapologetic. And mm-hmm. became more so that way, I feel like, during Tangible. That yeah. was a very transformative year for him. Yeah. Where he leaned into um, maybe some, like, personas that he wanted to explore and, like, be and, like, kind of mm-hmm. build his own brand and personality mm-hmm. the way he wanted it. And he he was just, like, dabbling in that breaking out of his shell. That's, yeah. So it's fun to watch him, too, uh, and build friendships with those guys. Forever indebted, forever, forever love those guys. And... um and always grateful that I got to see them in, you know, behind closed doors and to see the way their brains work, but also the humility and the the heart that both those guys have that you don't, you don't have that kind of success without a big heart. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, some people do, they, but they don't have any friends. Yeah. You know, it's and, lonely and up there, guys, yeah. 
it's lonely up there for sure. And then there's Stefan Vandegraaff, who's a beast. Um, he was on our founding team with us. He is a beast. He is the executor behind Travis Chambers and Chamber Media. Hmm. He's the I one. I don't know if I met him. He is salt of the earth. I, uh, man, that guy, um, he is amazing. I mean, was we he the like, one in the, the ads with him? Yeah. Okay. That's the blonde guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've seen him. They're like, could be cousins or brothers or sense. something. Yeah. He's right. such a good guy and he's so funny. He's such a good writer. Mm-hmm. Very, very talented. Um, his baby actually passed away. Uh, oh. Let me think. Oh, I remember Travis talking about that. It was so Yeah, we talked about that when I was at his event. That's that connect the dots. Yeah. Well, That's and what hard. was so crazy is Ugh. like, Stefan, actually, I'm sorry, going back, Stefan's actually the one who pulled me into this. So I, I knew Stefan and Travis and Stefan is actually the one who pulled me into Tangible. He's mm-hmm. the one who like, we grabbed lunch one day and mm-hmm. and I was on maternity leave and he, I remember, so I, I had just had a baby and then his wife had a baby a few months later. Our oldest, my oldest and, and their, their second baby would be in the same like grade. They were mm. just a few months apart. And I remember like seeing them go through this horrific experience and just feeling so much guilt. Like Stefan gave me the opportunity to have a flexible job and professional career with my firstborn baby, which is something I would not have had mm-hmm. if I would have gone back to work. And and then to watch him go through such a horrific experience. I mean, it was just to not be able to do anything yeah. for someone who, you know. There's not much you can do. Right. It's horrible. But you were doing something by executing tangible. Yeah. I you mean, know? I don't know if it. They, they could rely on you. So that piece of stress that would be yeah. sitting there on them, you're helping take a lot of that off of them. Hopefully. So they could focus, focus on, on what more they should things. be focusing on. Right. Because having that kind of like traumatic life event and then not having people like yourself to be there to support and help with the other yeah. things that are there that yeah. you don't want to just let go because of that. Yeah. I mean, that I, that's a huge help. I'm sure he feels that way, but. I hope so. He's such an awesome guy. Yeah. And then Rachel Nilsson from Rags Rachel, who's mm-hmm. just like the raddest person you've ever met in your life. She's so much fun. I'm like, man, if we could all be as cool as her, mm-hmm. she's so cool. I've never actually met her. She is so cool. She, yeah. everybody who meets her, she's just like, approachable and cool and relatable and down to earth. She's just everything. And she's a hard worker. She's, she's a beast herself. And I think her business and her personal life, she was like going through some change. Like we all, Tangible was born in the Valley of the Fire of Death. Like yeah. I said. And COVID. Um, I think we had the perfect team, but there were like outlying s- situations that happened and COVID was one of them and th- it wasn't the right time. Mm-hmm. And that was something I wanted to come back to earlier when you oh, said yeah. something about Josh. It's like, one thing I've learned is you can have perfect market fit with your product or your service, mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter if you don't have perfect team fit. Mm-hmm. You have oh, to have yeah, the right definitely. people on the bus yeah, or else you're not going anywhere or, or you're not going anywhere very well. Yep. You know? Oh, I know that. And that's something yeah. I've learned in ShareHouse even. Mm-hmm. I had to face that even in ShareHouse a bit. And we just brought on Lindsay Ivy about six weeks yeah. ago as our COO. That's exciting we are in the zone Mm -hmm. because it's such a good team fit. Yeah. You know, it sometimes takes a little trial and error and finding those people and you have to let it happen. And you also have to make the change and have the eye for it, but make actually make the change Mm -hmm. because, you know, removing someone's always difficult. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it's like, and I I've had to do it even recently where it's like, you don't want to do it, you know, but you know, if you don't, you're going to limit getting the right person in that role, which yeah. is going to change the trajectory of the company. Yeah. It's just so difficult. It is. It totally is because everyone says, you know, it's business, not personal. No, it's personal. It's always personal. Cause there, we all yeah, have personal relationships because we're, per, we're people. Mm-hmm. And so it's always personal. And so it, it's hard to like take that jump. Um, yeah. But I feel like that's something I really learned, especially recently having found like such a good fit and mm-hmm. seeing the momentum in such a short amount of time that that's brought to the business with us, like, and our unique qualities and, and seeing us work together. It, it's like, it's like a home run. And yeah. that's when it's like, who even cares like what we're selling? Like we're going to the moon because yeah. of who we are and how well we work together mm-hmm. and we'll figure it out. We'll find the right pro- yeah. product market fit, service market fit, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, here we are in Sharehouse. Yeah. And I could tell you a little bit about, uh, a little bit about Sharehouse. And this started you. November 2021. 
November 2021. And then and then came to market in May, May 2022. 2022. Okay. And how did you get, get this to market? Is it well what is the what is like the pitch? What is <clears> it? We started Sharehouse to um support the e-commerce ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And so what we're really good at is aligning ourselves with brand founders, CEOs, and their teams. So anyone from the CEO down to the intern and providing them with really good resources. Mm -hmm. So those resources could be access to really good capital and funding partners, access Mm -hmm. to recruiting opportunities and and the right people, Mm -hmm. the right people, the right team members on the bus. You know, I, I, I sent you Josh. Mm-hmm. So we're one for one. Let me know the next time you need to hire mm-hmm. and I'll send you someone else. <laughs> okay. Well, you've made um, a lot of good referrals for us. I hope so. Yeah. Um, yeah, me and Kelsey. Kelsey always goes, ask Madeline first. Well, especially now, man, we have people banging down our doors. Like, Yeah. Um, I need a VP of marketing for Dry. Yeah, so. let me, I have a couple people need, in like, mind. like a big, big player. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of marketing people here. A lot of really good creative people here. We're in the Mecca, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, access to to really good vetted service providers and technology teams, access to mentorship, education. We're actually talking about pulling Tangible School in under Sharehouse as a product. Yeah, we're very excited about that. So almost similar to the business model of the the catering event company you work for. Oh my gosh. In a way. Yes. This it's is, like we're like the broker of, of all things. That? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I, you didn't know it. And I guess just, not. You just barely aha moment. That's an aha moment. It makes for sure. sense. I mean, that's kind of like what, you know, what I did with development, design, engineering, prototyping, manufacturing. We're going to add packaging and brand design, wow. you know? Yeah. But yeah, but that's more like direct service versus network and connecting is, is yeah. Cause it's hard as a founder and a new company and mm-hmm. having to figure it out to just kind of It'll, it'll cut it's the crazy. time off of getting to profitability. Uh, it'll right. shrink it by having a resource like that. Yes. And then like we provide these exclusive networking opportunities. Only Brands is a product underneath the Sharehouse umbrella. Mm-hmm. And um, that's just these, that's just for, for founders and CEOs mm-hmm. of companies um, doing, you know, 10 million or more in revenue mm-hmm. or for, for founders doing, really interesting things. Maybe mm-hmm. a very interesting product, interesting business model, interesting uh, marketing strategy or go-to-market mm-hmm. strategy. There is room in the room for interesting people. And so we're trying to create these safe spaces where they can connect because in the e-commerce space, as well as many other industries, but especially in e-commerce, the founders want to learn from each other. They hear the experts and the service providers, they hear what they're saying, but I need the I need my founder friend over here to validate it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it becomes this like very cool group of people that are sharing and learning and growing together. And that traction, the rising tide lifts all boats, Jason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that is is definitely has already been seen in um, the Only Brands events. So we have one. Um, I don't have my watch on. There's an event we tonight. We have one tonight. Yeah, Alicia's going to oh, it. Oh, thanks, um, thanks for keeping me on my schedule because I, I mm-hmm. might have missed it. I'm like running so fast. I'm like, is it tomorrow? Yeah, it's in yeah. Sandy. Yeah, Alicia's going to go. Good, yeah. good. She's like, I'm going to this event tomorrow. And she's going to leave, you know, right yeah. now. She's on leave. Yeah. But she's like, get, I could tell she's getting antsy because she's like I three weeks out. She, and she's like, she I, uh, you know, Easton's great and I love him, but, you know, I just, you know, you need help with anything. I'm, you know. I love it. She's like, how about I just post the job posting? I know you, you can do it, but I'm down. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, do whatever you want. I it's, love it. it's your decision. I'm not, you know, it's your leave. Yeah. Um, but then she was like, and I'm going to this event tomorrow. Good. I met this girl named Lindsay. Oh, good. Who invited me okay. and I'd love to come. I'm I'm going to come down and go to that and this happy hour. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, share house. I'm. I'm familiar, yeah. <laughs> tomorrow too. Uh, so, yes. That's exciting. All the uh, all the roads lead back. Somehow we're all connected. I love it. That's so good. I actually didn't know how she got on the list. Like I just saw that she like got on the list. I told you we mm-hmm. like spread the word. Like every one, every mm-hmm. single one, we like kind of barely spread the word. No one even knows like who's behind it or what it even is. People are like, what do I mm-hmm. wear? And who's speaking? It's like no one's speaking and wear whatever you want. Yeah. This is just like a chill. Yeah. Happy thing. hour. It's fun, you know? Yeah. Yes, yeah, so we have that one tonight. We are launching trips. We're starting to take uh, founders on trips. We have one at the end of April. We're going to handpick people from all different markets Mm because we're going to expand only brands, these like dinners or events to uh, Dallas or sorry, Austin, New York, LA, San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And um, and we want to kind of test out a trip and see what that looks like. Mm -hmm. 
you know, a little bit longer event. Yeah. So more intimate. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. And then we, um, we have Skynet syndicate, which is a product underneath the, the Sharehouse umbrella as well, which is very similar to only brands, but it's just for vendors and service providers. Cool. And it's a way for them. We we've already been aligned with several service providers just kind of by accident since we launched. And we've, we've lined up a lot of co-marketing opportunities for them because we act as this traffic control. It's like we see into their business because of our work with them. We see into theirs because of our work with them and we naturally can see the connections. And so we're starting to draw those connections. And now we're building Skynet Syndicate around that and trying to have a really great room of vetted service providers and technology teams, but that can work with us, but also, and, and that we can help, you know, direct and, and pull into the only brands group, but also to help work with each other. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about that. Um, we do have a mentorship program that we're building out. It's currently live, but we're further building that out. Um, that so we're really excited about. You have to be a brand of 10 million plus to be a part of it. No. Everyone's welcome to join Sharehouse in some form or another, Mm -hmm. but in order to get on the exclusive list, Mm -hmm. you know, it's invitation only. It's, um, it's, you have to be on the list just because you register doesn't mean that you can come. Mm -hmm. We, we accept and decline and that's just the way it is. We vet everybody out. Okay. And, um, so Alicia is on there. Yeah. Cause I have two brands that have 10 million plus now. Yeah. Let's get in there tonight. Well, my business, well, they are dry. Dry and in my manufacturing business, okay, well, so it's yeah. a service business. There That's more than ten. But well, you guys should come on um, Friday. We're doing tomorrow. We're doing Skynet Syndicates. Our first where's one. that at? It's at our headquarters in Sandy. We're in that big glass building that's like right south of like Chandler or sorry Challenger School with like the big flags. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Right there, kind of across mm-hmm. Kitty Corner from the MacU building. Oh yeah. So we're in a really pretty building over there. We have a gorgeous space. We actually have a co-working space in our office. So that's um it's not really part of our business model today, but we have the space mm-hmm. and the amenities. We have a top-of-the-line um golf simulator for you. Cool. So come on down. Uh the kitchen is stocked every day. Wow. Um and then and, is this a membership fee then? Is that how you yeah, do it? Yeah. Yeah, okay. if people want to join that. Like that's just like a, a cheap membership. Or what about the the share house in general? Is there a it's membership? Free. It's free. How is it free? It's free. We are the traffic controller. How do you we make are, that cheese then? You how know? do we make that cheese? Yeah. I mean, there are several ways that we make the cheese. Okay, I like that. Um, <laughs> but anytime that there is a connection made, I mean, we're the traffic controller. We're the broker. We are the trusted advisor, right? And we're the third party that can build that trust and not have to be like selling something, mm-hmm. right? But be more of a connector. And anytime that a connection is made, there's typically a transaction associated. Oh, and yep. so, um, whether it's a rev share or oh, something of that, that okay. kind. And so that drives us to find really good partners yeah. and to make really good connections. Cause we don't, we don't keep the trust of the brand founders and their teams, their mm-hmm. operators, their, their heads of marketing. If we are lining them up with poor partners. Yeah. And so, I mean, uh, a, so a $20 million dollar brand. Of, yeah. Yeah. Well, That's how I, I like, and, and honestly that kind of happened, um, naturally, like we started just like doing a lot of goodwill, you mm-hmm. know, like we were just top of funnel. Yeah. Let's, let's build the brand, get the name out there mm-hmm. and, and do a lot of goodwill service mm-hmm. blessings in heaven. And naturally it's evolved because people want to pay us a yeah. piece of the business we've brought to them. Mm-hmm. But initially it was like, I get a call from some, from a brand in the Valley doing 20 million. And they're like, Hey, uh, we need a new marketing agency. Mm-hmm. We've been working with one. This is what's happened. These are our pain points. Mm-hmm. We need to move away from this agency. Okay, great. Well, let me line you up with a meeting with several agencies. And so it's like a recruiting model in a way. In some ways, like some aspects of the business, yes. Some no. So like this tangible school is just an education piece. Yeah. And hopefully that can grow to be something that is is a way for founders to actually provide mentorship. Uh, there's a lot of founders that are sunsetting right now in mm-hmm. Utah and beyond. Um, that's kind of the goal, right? Like they, they want to sunset at some point from their CEO position and they want to move to the chairman of the board and they want to either start another project or they want to start speaking, getting their name out there. Mm-hmm. But if they've been kind of heads down in their own business, how are, how are they going to have, you know, their own brand built up enough to have a platform to go do that? We would love to provide them with a way to mentor or create educational content and put it with nest it in in tangible school under sharehouse they can provide it for free or for a for a charge or i mean whatever they like as well as service providers we'd love to have service providers who come in and uh share their expertise 
that's like the best way to sell, right? Is yeah. to share your expertise, peel back the curtain a little bit, roll out the red carpet, share some trade secrets and some case mm-hmm. studies, earn their trust. When they need your service, they're going to remember you because it wasn't like this push marketing experience, right? Also, you educate them on how difficult it is to do what they do. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what? It's so funny. Like in the tangible days, uh, we worked with hundreds of founders. So most of them, what we found is that most of them, 80% of them, they want to learn about it enough to be like dangerous or be able to yeah. ask enough questions. Or be able to manage it. Right. But only they don't want to do it. Only yeah. 20% actually wants to like get in, roll their sleeves up and try it. And who knows what percentage actually keeps doing it, mm-hmm. you know, once they've figured out what a nightmare it is. Yeah. Or when they have their eight tentacles of skills they have to do, they cut that one off and replace themselves yeah. there or whatever. You yeah. Know? So then what's, um, what's on the roadmap this year other than a bunch of events? Like what, you know? Yeah. So further expanding the education piece for sure. That's mm-hmm. a big one for us. It's natural, it's tangible. So we're currently in negotiations with the tangible uh, founders, which I am one. Mm-hmm. Um, you just talking to Amir? Yeah, I am. I'm mm-hmm. like, how much are you going to sell this to me for? Mm-hmm. No, they're all extremely gracious and we all have great friendships there. And so they just want to see it live on. I think, mm-hmm. I think we all wanted to see it live, oh, yeah. live on. Um, it was, it was so extremely discouraging to build something so big, so fast and to see it diminish so fast as well. So much work kind of down the tubes or just put on hold. So I think everybody's excited to see that live on. So uh, tangible is a natural development for us, for sure. People need that education. They want that education piece. The private events will continue to do recruiting. We're, we're already doing, we need to build a tool around that, but we're already doing it. I mean, a lot of venture capital and private equity firms are reaching out to us because they're buying e-commerce companies. That's a space that's growing in venture. They don't have the resources to recruit. Mm-hmm. There's a very interesting uh, company that is based out of Scottsdale and uh, they are looking to hire a CEO. The, the, the founder is sunsetting again. There's mm-hmm. another, another example. And so we're doing some active recruiting for them. And yeah, it, it's, we're just in the space. We're plugged in. We're the yeah. broker. We're, we're, so you kind of get to do what you've always done and do a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like Lindsay and I say all the time, like we have spent our entire, our entire careers building everyone else's businesses. Mm. And so now we started a business to do that. That's exciting. We started a business to help everyone build their businesses. That's, that makes total sense. Yeah. It's fun. It's really fun. Yeah. We have a, a lot on the roadmap and uh, it's overwhelming, but it's exciting. Yeah. Lindsay's good at managing the chaos. Little chaos isn't bad. Too so much she, bad. now you need an operator and she's that. Yeah. There you go. Is yeah, we weird? are like very co-managing this. Like, mm-hmm. I'm like, man, it's like what they say, all those memes I read, you know, that we've all seen. Like, what is it? Just two women that are wrapped up in a tissy about something could run the world or something. You know what I mean? And that's what we are. We're wrapped up in a tissy about this. We're excited about it. That's great. Yeah. It's so, good. so people, I'm guessing, can just follow along online and, yeah, you know, and and... So Sharehouse is kind of the 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 brand that you that you can find anywhere. Only brands we by design do not have like a, a landing page or anything for it. Yeah. We like that kind That's of just content distri- right. dis- distributable content. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Follow sharehouse.com for and sure. Then like warehouse, stay but sharehouse. Tuned. I'm sure following Sharehouse, you'll yeah. find out about tangible. Yes. And tangible is more for the the earlier stage companies that can hear from the 10, 20, 30 million dollar companies. Yeah. And learn from the founders of those and stuff like right. that. Right. Exactly. One thing that came to mind a minute ago too is um I think the way that we've seen success just in our startup phase. A minute ago I said push and pull marketing and going back to that, we've aligned ourselves intangible. We did a lot of push marketing. It was like chasing, chasing, yeah. chasing, chasing. Mm-hmm. And I never want to chase again. I want to know who my ideal customer profile is and I want to know what they care about and I want to align myself with whatever that is mm-hmm. and those customers will find me. Yeah, And that's the thing that we've done right is we've aligned ourselves with brand founders. The service providers have naturally found us. Now we're aligning ourselves with customers or with, with consumers and the brand founders will continue to find us. That makes sense. And now we're expanding to other markets, you know, to affiliate with other interesting brand founders, which mm-hmm. only pulls in more brand founders who want yeah. to be a part of the exclusive group. And um, 
that's like the one thing I could say, I, I would say to uh, founders just starting out is stop chasing your customer and start chasing what it is that they care about. Yeah. Align yourselves with that and your customers will find you. That's a great field note. Is that one of your field notes? That's my field note. How many other field notes? You had a lot of good field notes. Did what I? are some of the main takeaways? I mean, you could just list out your mantras and those are the field notes. I don't know. God, these conversations just kind of go. Winners We have win. to have another one another time and more will flow. Yeah. Well, ri rising tides, what, what was the it? Rising tide lifts all boats. Yep. So that's a good mantra slash field note. Yeah. And, and that one's win. a good one with like, that one has kind of set the stage for a lot of competitors. Mm -hmm. I don't care about competitors. Let's play. Let's yeah. play together. I yeah. don't care. Let's let's overlap. Mm -hmm. Let's get to know each other. You want to steal my ideas? I don't care. There's enough yeah. fish in the sea. I'll just like go over here and find other fish and sell the same exact thing. Yeah. You know, I don't care. Yeah, like with Durai, when competitors knock off my patents or whatever, I see it as an opportunity to increase the value of that patent. So there you go. I go to get my, you know. It's genius. Yeah, make it work for me. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, that's great. So follow you on uh, Sharehouse and LinkedIn and all the Instagrams sure. and everything. Madeline and Van Hoff and Lindsay Ivy on LinkedIn. And how many team members do you have now? Well, it's Lindsay and I, and then yeah. we're lucky enough to be our lean investor. And mean. Lean and mean. Yeah. Man. Cool. It's crazy, but we're actually lucky enough to be a part of a family of brands where they actually provide kind of shared services That's to great. the brand. So we have so marketing, we have, and all that stuff. we have a CFO, yeah. we have, um, HR legal. That's so it's great. all, um, plugged in and we actually Share all house. work in the same space. So it's perfect. Like it feels yeah. like, you know, it's all the, it's all our team. So we can be mean and lean because we're able to kind of piggyback. On, that makes sense. It's awesome. It's a smart way to build. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so Keep the burn much rate fun. low. Yeah. 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 It's good. Well, great. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Okay, that was Madeline Van Hoff. As you can see, she's got quite a plethora of experience and has had to be scrappy throughout her whole career, which has made her the successful entrepreneur that she is today. She not only left us with a lot of great field notes, but I felt like we should call this episode Founders Mantras. Because I can tell you, ever since we recorded this episode, I've repeated her mantras over and over again in my head and I could totally relate and and I honestly appreciated those mantras. So winners win, rising tides, raise all boats and keep your head above the clouds. Those are great things and I like how she moved along throughout her entrepreneurial career and every year has a different mantra. You know, sometimes just repeating those things in your head can completely change your mood and your attitude in current situation. I really appreciate that. And it's funny because when we recorded this episode after I finished recording, because I'm so bad at this, I thought I deleted the audio. So I thought we were going to have to redo this. And when I told her that she was nothing but positive about it. And instead of, you know, being disappointed, like you can be when a problem happens, she was excited about re-recording the episode. And I really appreciated that. And it just, it just is a testament to who she is as a person and why she's become so successful in doing what she does. Winners win. Some other great points that I totally agree with is, you know, being careful with hyperextending yourself financially with your business and, you know, don't spend too much. It'll one, obviously hurt your cash flow, but two, it'll put too much pressure on the business. And then by the time you learn what's causing that pressure, it might be too late. So definitely a, a great field note that all entrepreneurs need to pay attention to, especially as they start getting cash flow. And, you know, start taking on employees and team members and creating a burn rate. Uh, another good one is reminding yourself every day why you're doing what you're doing. I think that's a great, you know, mindset to go into the day, whether you wake up in the morning and think about it on a morning walk while you're walking your dogs like Kingston here. Or reminding yourself like why you're doing this every day. Because if you come up against something hard, sometimes you do need to look in a mirror and remind yourself like, what is the whole point of all of this? Connect with that goal again. It can give you the motivation to get through whatever you're getting through. I like that mindset. Just remind yourself why you're doing this. It's good to check in with yourself and make sure that that, that is still there for you. That motivation is still there for you. That's also where those mantras can come in handy. I love the point she made about not chasing your customer, but chasing what your customer wants. I think that's a great point when figuring out how to communicate and sell to your customer. If you go aggressively at your customer and, you know, push too hard, you could scare them away or just put a bad taste in their mouth. So I really like the thought of just focusing on what they need 
And, you know, if you dangle that carrot in front of them, they'll come back to you or they'll come to you. So that's a great mindset, especially when you're building a B2B service or, you know, building a product that speaks to a specific customer. You know, if you understand what their needs are, you can build something that really solves that problem for them. And they, they will come and they will purchase that product. And with that, in order to do that, obviously understanding your customer profile and who they are and what they need. So once you really have a deep understanding that it's, it's easy to know what to build, what to launch next, what to create, and how to speak and market to that customer consistently. But obviously, in order to do that, you really have to have that deep understanding. And, you know, some of the ways to do that are obviously setting that target. Maybe you're, you fit the customer profile, so you're building something that can work for yourself, but also many other people, or using tools like doing surveys and so on and so forth to collect data and information and talk directly to those customers and ask them what they actually need. A lot of the clients that I work with that put a lot of effort into doing those surveys and asking their customers have created some of the more successful businesses because they create something that they know they know is going to sell and, and solve that problem. And that's incredibly valuable to do up front before creating something. Anyway, thanks for listening. Madeline Van Hoff, great episode. Really appreciated her coming by. Check us out on all the social media platforms, Founders Field Notes, Klugonics, and we'll see you next week. We're switching to a weekly episode schedule now, so you'll see us more consistently, and we're very excited about it. Lots of exciting guests ahead. Stay tuned. 